Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. It is a great (laughs) pleasure and privilege to have Senator Bill Stanley from Virginia on the show. Last week, Sue Bell, the executive director of Homeward Trails Shelter that took in the first 400 of the 4,000 Invigo beagles that were bred for nefarious purposes, those are, that's my editorial comment, um, said that the man who was responsible, the driving force behind passing five animal welfare bills in the Virginia State Legislature, which led to the closing of the Invigo breeding facility, is this very Senator Bill Stanley, who also is the star of his own podcast, which is Beagle-driven. The engine behind it is Beagles. Senator, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time for what I sure must be a very chaotic schedule. But I would think that the Beagles are kind of pretty big part of your life now, aren't they? Uh, they've been a pretty big part of my life since about 2019 when I first uh, heard of, of federal medical facilities uh, having experimented upon beagles unnecessarily and painfully without relief. And that started my journey, and it's continued to this very day, where I'm a proud parent of two of the Invigo beagles that I was able to rescue even before all of this, uh, these great things that have been happening started to happen. So beagles have been a part of my life uh, since I became the proud owner of those dogs even before that in 2019. You're certainly the Beagle the Beagle cheerleader in a, in a very important arena, which is the U.S. government. Before we talk about what I view as a sort of invisible underground government-funded industry sitting on the shoulders of these sweet, compliant animals that are bred only to be experimented upon, and I've had Justin from the White Coat Waste Project on many times to talk about the insane amounts of government money poured into experimenting almost entirely on beagles. But in a very interesting and positive way, you created a podcast back in January that has followed your work in the government. And I'm hoping people will learn how to listen, but also download the entire library you also have a co-host on your podcast who's a pretty interesting guy. Tell us about him. Yes, the uh, podcast is uh, Leaning Right and Turning Left with with Sadler and the Senator. You can find them on all the major platforms. We started it in January because, you know, we wanted to talk about 
race cars and and politics in Virginia and what was important. So we started it right during the General Assembly session when the what were called the Beagle Bills, the four bills that I had drafted and worked with Jennifer Boisco on uh, to get passed, really started gaining momentum. But even prior to that, uh, and we can talk about that uh, in a little more detail, I had acquired two of the Invigo Beagles, as I had said, uh, had bought them uh, when I was forced to visit the the facility. And then Hermie Sadler, who is my uh, sidekick on, on the podcast, who was a former NASCAR driver and a Fox uh, sports personality for NASCAR, he was able to, uh, I was able to secure for him at Christmas time for his special needs child, Haley, oh two my. beagles because they loved uh, her and, and they are such wonderful dogs. So we had four rescues and Hermie and I used to joke on the podcast that well at this rate we had 5,000 beagles there before we knew about the shutdown this is going to take about 35 years for us to keep buying these dogs and sneaking them out and we didn't want to look like hoarders but we were determined uh at that point so he owned owns two of the uh Invigo beagles I'm the parent of two of those Invigo beagles so it has become a part of our conversation in fact we've had Sue Bell just recently on the most recent podcast uh, John Raymer from Kindness Ranch. We've always talked about the progress of those bills throughout the podcast, as well as racing and other political matters. But, uh, but it has been one of the focuses that we've had, which really has helped because we were able to tell the story of these beagles to legislators who were listening to the podcast during the General Assembly session as a part and parcel of our wider and greater strategy of trying to get those Beagle bills passed and ultimately get Invigo shut down. So, what a, what a brilliant, uh, you get use, a chance, brilliant a use of a podcast for the other it, people well, who had to vote on their behalf, for, for you to have the time, not in a, in a Senate session, for them to listen during drive time or dinner cooking time to understand the violation, the animal welfare nature of the violation of what this all this experimentation is about. It must have been pretty horrifying for you to go there in 2019. I mean, it, they're kept very secret. It's like a dark web. Well, and, and, it, and it is. And, you know, for the podcast, it was because we were Beagle parents. We could talk about how great these dogs were once they were released in, and outside the Cumberland facility. My first experience uh, with Beagles was actually with Justin with White Coast, White Coat Waste Project, um, we had discovered through Kerry O'Brien, who's a great champion on Channel 8 News, a great reporter who brought to light uh, that these that there were beagles being experimented on giving painful experimentation without pain relief. Uh, they were cut open. There was a uh, heart, uh, you know, heart device put in them, and they run them on treadmills until they died. Wow. And that just struck me as one of the most inhumane things I'd ever heard. So. At that time in 2018, 2019, I proposed a bill that would end painful experiments, those what they call level four USDA experiments, in Virginia, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And at, was able to get that bill passed even over the objections somewhat of our higher institutions of learning here in the Commonwealth because they were purchasing beagles. But I was then able to learn about this facility that existed in the shadows in the Commonwealth of Virginia, in Cumberland, Virginia, which was breeding Beagles and someone flew a drone over top of the uh, the facility and I believe it was an owner prior to Invigo but they had ten thousand dogs crates upon crates of these oh dogs in inhumane conditions and that really upset me to the point where in 2019 I put a bill in that said in the Commonwealth of Virginia we're not going to allow any business to breed a dog I mean an American beagle no less but a dog or cat for uh, for scientific experimentation. That bill failed. They they brought a very large lobby effort 
both Jennifer Boisco, senator from Northern Virginia, and myself brought those bills. Uh, they were defeated. Uh, wow. And then when Invigo came in, um, they called a good friend of mine, Senator Dave Marsden, a Democrat from Northern Virginia, <clears throat> and they had asked him, hey, can you bring Bill Stanley? We want to show that we've cleaned up the place. There's no longer 10,000 dogs. It's 5,000 dogs. We're taking good care of them. <laughs> And I said, sorry no to way. laugh, but it's like, you know, oh, it's yeah. so much better. It's only half as horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. And so I said, no, no, no. I resisted. And, and you know, Dave's a good friend of mine. So he had, he, Dave's, uh, Dave is not just a good friend. He had created in the Agriculture uh, Committee in the Senate a subcommittee, which they called the Companion Animal Subcommittee, to deal with all of my bills that I was bringing every year. He called it the Stanley <laughs> Dog Committee. And uh, he you are the me man. To go out there. Yeah, he convinced me to go out there, and I said, well, look, Dave, I'm going out there under protest, but I'm going to wear a big hoodie, and I'm going to try to shove as many beagles as I can into every, like, the hood and the pockets, and, and I'm going to leave with these dogs. We went out there. It was 110 degrees, it must have been. It was in the middle of the summer. We were in a special session, and we walked around this facility. And, of course, when you get there, it's in the middle of nowhere. Correct. There's a large uh, mm-hmm. chain-link fence with barbed mm-hmm. wire on the top. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Cameras and monitoring going on at the, at the whole time. You have to buzz in at the gate. It's a long drive down there. You don't hear the barking until you get down there. And then you see this sea of metal buildings, long metal buildings where these runs were, if you want to call them runs, indoor-outdoor runs. <clears throat> and, the, and the barking of the beagles was pretty significant. And, and so we met with them, and they were trying to tell us all these great things, and I didn't really want to hear it. I mean, I felt like I was in the devil's den. Yes, absolutely. And so then they said, Let's take a tour of the facility, and they took us through the nursing facilities where they were where they were breeding the dogs, they, and that was not fun for me. And they took us through these long, long hallway of these metal buildings where these runs were, where there would be 20, 25 dogs in one pen. It was an indoor-outdoor pen, and a rubber grate was the bottom, and and so I wasn't being sold. In fact, I was there with another state senator who this was in his district, Senator Mark Peake, who after going through one building said, that's enough. I can't stand this. Wow. And he left. Good for he him. He just walked out. He said, this is disgusting. And he turned around. And he wasn't a guy. He was pretty ambivalent about, you know, he wasn't, companion animal bills weren't his thing. But right. he was so mad by what he saw. So we got to the end of the tour. We're on a loading uh, bay area. And, they, and the, they're trying to talk about, you know, all this great stuff that they're doing. And Dave Marsden is telling them, tell Senator Stanley all the great breakthroughs that you've made using these dogs for experimentation. And they hemmed and hawed. And, and the only thing they could come up with was that prosthetic hips. And I looked at him and I said, wait a minute. So you break the hip of the dog, you remove it, you put in a prosthetic uh, hip, and then you run them on a treadmill. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's the best thing you've gotten out of this? Wow. And so I was kind of disgusted. I turned. I was tired of listening to the humans, and I went to the bay cages, and there were three female puppies. Obviously, were getting loaded pretty soon to be sent off for experimentation. I stuck my hand in through the, into the fencing you know, with my palm up, and this one beautiful female beagle put her head into my oh, hand. Oh, God. And I started to pet her, and she had these eyes, and, and she started to kind of roll over and want to be petted. And I noticed there was a tattoo in her ear. So I memorized the tattoo in her ear and the markings on her belly. And I stood up and I turned around while they're talking. And I said, okay, this dog's too nice to be experimented on. How much? How much am I buying this dog? And they were shocked. And they were like, what? What are you talking What? I said, how much for this dog? She's not being experimented on. I'm buying her. And they were like, oh, they kind of put me off. And we walked back to the office and I badgered uh, both their lobbyist and the vet, their vet at the time that was there. I want to buy that dog. You're not going to sell that dog. And I explained what happened. 
And and I even had the conversation with the vet going, how can you do this? I mean, yes. you're a vet. Yes. Uh, and she was a very nice vet, by the way. She was really nice. And she felt like, look, if I didn't do this, who would do this? Even her vet friends, you know, would have these conversations with her. So she, her heart was in a good place, even though she was working in a bad place. By the time we get down to the office, they turned and said, okay, we'll give you the dog. I said, no, no, I can't take a gift. I'm going to buy the dog. I'm going to give you a check, and then I want you to take that check, and I want you to build a run outside of these cages with grass and toys where these dogs can go and run and exercise. Promise me you'll do that. I said, okay. I signed an NDA, signed a bunch of documents. I had memorized and told them what the the tattoo was. The vet went up, vetted the dog, brought her back down. Uh, I gave him the check, and that was what has now become Daisy Stanley, our most beloved beagle. And so she was patient zero. She was the first one to get out. Wow. Uh, Isn't that that something? That was not sold commercially. And um, so I took her home. She was, of course, very timid. Went back. I was at a hotel at the time. And to put her on grass, for her feet to touch grass for the first time, was scary for her. Yes. Scary. And my son, uh, Colin, was there at the time. And and he got on the ground where she would then just kind of walk up on top of him. And she felt more comfortable. It was such – she was such a timid dog because – this was all new. It was overwhelming to her. Uh, and it took her a, a couple minutes to kind of realize, maybe I'm not in the cage anymore. Maybe I'm never going to be put in the cage anymore. And why are all these people loving on me and petting <laughs> me? And, and she started to acclimate uh, from there. But to see her on grass for the first time, to, 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 to have that nose finally start working of, wait a minute, what are these smells? Yes, yes. To have her be a dog yeah. again and not a commodity. It's it's uh, abs- it's it's a, make it makes it brings clearly tears to my eyes and to anyone listening the very personal aspect to it the big ugly picture this devil's den that you were in what's disturbing is that the yeah. the experimentation is not taking place in the breeding facility it is simply hatching these dogs farming them producing them and then selling them transferring them to places sadly uh institutions of higher learning, what we call universities, what we call vet schools, what we call human medical schools. And it would be great, as I said, have said in other interviews, if people who were going to a college, any college, probably not a community college or a small private liberal arts, but a big one where there is a medical school, you you younger folks, whatever age you are, graduate students, if you are getting a a higher degree somewhere, you got to demand of the administration what kind of experimenting are you doing and why, and prove it to us why the money you get from the U.S. government, because Invigo gets it, but so do the universities, is worth it. Right. And I mean, the evil cannot continue if there is not a demand. So the supply is the exactly. ugly part, but the demand. This is bogus yeah. medicine. It's bogus e- experimentation. This has been proven by White Coat Waste Project. It's extraordinary that it takes a man of your moral stature to do five bills that are about record keeping, uh, forcing animals to be adopted if unsold, whatever that exactly could mean to them, and amending the definition of animal cruelty so that you include animals bred for experimentation or that you aren't allowed to sell experimentation animals if you have one major or three minor violations. You had to make up, if you will, this quilt, this crazy quilt of rules to try and 
try and do a little better so that you go from 10,000 dogs to 5,000 to maybe 2,500 to maybe they give them some pain medicine when doing needless experimentation. I mean, that's the issue, needless. So, well, and and if you take it one step further, I mean, so the, the adoption part was actually a bill that I wrote so that our higher, our educational institutions, the techs, the VCUs that were buying these beagles, that when they were done experimenting with them, when they, when the dog had served its purpose, that they weren't euthanizing them anymore, that they were required to find them forever right, homes. Right, right. And they, and they kind of kicked and screamed, and then they went along with it. And I told them, basically, for the horrible things you do, at least you can make up for it here. And that finally sold those higher institutions, so they kind of dropped their, obli- uh, their objection to that bill. It passed. I was able to turn that into amending that law into include places like Invigo, that if you don't sell these dogs, and there's a story behind that right, too, right. If, they, if they have gotten older than their usefulness for experimentation, that you weren't euthanizing them and that you would instead find them forever homes. That was a part of the Beagle Bill legislation, was amending what I had already done previously to hold our universities accountable for when they would uh, buy these dogs, man's best friend, as they say, the American Beagle, and then experiment <laughs> on them, and then discard them like they were trash. And do and experimentation that was, that was, that was it, I mean, it's morally corrupt to force a human medical student or veterinary medical student to do procedures on animals that are unnecessary. They could be done on models. They could be done with all of the fancy computerized stuff that exists. You could make 3D yeah, models of beagles, medicine. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so the schools, all of it starts with if there wasn't money to be made, with this mass production of beagles, because it's not just breeding dogs, it's beagles. Mass production yes. of them because there's a marketplace. It's, it's feeding an addiction to something which is harmful to everybody. It's not good for the people doing the experimentation. It eats at their soul. Just like this vet, as you said, her answer was, well, if I don't do it, someone else will. Well, we all have to bear witness to evil. And you say the devil's den. Yeah. This is evil on the hoof, human evil on yeah. the hoof. And to say you won't do it, but that's but that's morally so vague. I mean, think of the horrible yeah. things that have been done throughout history. Well, if it wasn't me yeah. pulling this switch or sticking this thing or stabbing that person or beheading them or whatever the horrors are, someone else would do it. Yeah, but but you could save your own soul by being the person who says, not me, not here. Just like your colleague right. didn't even have the mental strength to be subjected, you were brave because you were dying inside too, but you bore witness. Isn't that what we have to do, bear witness and come out and tell people? This hiddenness is frightening because it's, how would any of us know about it? And as you say, they're they're in such secretive places and you can't get in. And then, you know, some brave animal rights, not welfare, but animal rights being different than welfare. I'm about animal welfare, which, you know, is, is kind of, there's a murky gray area. They get in there sure. with their camera and, you know, risk their own maybe even death by taking pictures. It's better that it's a U.S. senator, a really smart person who you could be spending your energy on all kinds of things. And you're identifying beagles and this breeding and experimentation as being something everybody needs to sit up and pay attention and to stop it, not to make it a better evil. I mean, how how hard is it for you to know that your bills are improving something that should not exist in the first place, if you will? How do you deal with that? It must be so hard. It would frustrate me. Well, and it's, you know, 
Tracy, it's been 11 years, and I'm a state senator. I don't have any aspirations to go to Washington, D.C. I like Richmond just fine. <laughs> Good. But, you know, when I got into the General Assembly, look, my whole family had been about rescue animals, supporting our rescue groups. And my children, you know, we had had all shelter dogs in our house, and that's all we've ever had. And it's a real passion for my wife and kids. And, and so I wanted to get them involved in in the General Assembly, how do we, you know, how do I keep your interest going to when I'm gone for two months, this is what we're doing. So we came up with a, hey, let's let's have a piece of legislation that we can that we can all do together and, and you know, you'll have, you know, worked on a piece of legislation that might become law. And that piece of legislation was, the first one was closing the puppy mill loopholes in Virginia to stop oh. uh, the overbred puppy mills that were coming from like out of state, bringing the dogs down into Virginia, skirting around uh, the puppy mill protections that we already had in place. They were bringing them to, to, you know, flea markets. They were bringing them to right. pet stores. Yes. And so, so we fought for that bill. And, and I was told my first year, never bring a dog and cat bill to the general assembly. That's not what we do. I was laughed out of committees, but I kept bringing no them kidding. and bringing more of them and trying to change the attitude of, and the minds of people with whom I served, because ultimately I told them, one, I dare you to vote against this bill because you're voting against puppies and kitties. <laughs> two, two, if you notice, there is a survey, 70-some-odd percent of all Virginians own a dog or cat. 91% of those people that own a dog or cat in the Commonwealth of Virginia believe that they're a member of the family. These are your constituents. Right. And so when I started putting these bills in, what I then noticed was, I think the, the advocates, the Humane Society, Humane Dominion, the Richmond SPCA, they had been, you know, I guess a lot of what they were advocating for was not taken seriously, but they had a champion in me. And what we were able to do was I'd propose the bill and, of course, argue vociferously for it and passionately for it. But they would then flood the phone lines oh, of smart. these senators and House smart. of Delegate members and their emails to the point where then they started taking notice. Wait a minute. We need to be addressing this policy in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Perhaps we need to modernize and adjust it. Nice. And then it was not I'm daring them to vote against the bill. They would walk into my office and go, can you make the email stop? Can you make the phone call stop? I'm voting for your bill. Can you just tell them I'm voting for your bill? That's great. Now that became, okay, that's attrition. So so we kept going with, with more and more bills, eventually uh, coming up to this year with the Beagle bills. But we kept adjusting, and we kept seeing them getting passed. And so I was honored by Humane Dominion for many years being Legislator of the Year because I cared so much. We were able to turn a policy in Virginia into a winning strategy for the people that were elected. You know, I would tell them, right. going back, and you could yes. say, yes. you know what, I, I co-sponsored making animal cruelty used to be a misdemeanor only in Virginia. We've now made it a felony. You know, we've, we've That's changed so hearts and minds about That's that so to where when, we, when these Beagle bills came up, uh, I was kind of surprised because when I'd gone there the first time to Invigo and tried to shut them down, they had a very powerful lobby that, that basically crushed my bill, crushed Senator Boisco's bill. That's when she and I decided we're going to be bipartisan. We're going to work on these issues together. When PETA went in and, and filmed that god-awful, I mean, I, it's so hard to watch. Uh, of those dogs being cruelly treated, I mean, you know, needles in their head, the dogs screaming in pain, um, and, and the USDA having found those violations. Well, that's when I called up Senator Dave Marsden, who dragged me the first time, and I said, guess what, Dave? We're going back to Invigo, and I'm going to tell them exactly what's going to happen, because I may not be able to kill them to put them out of business, right. but we're going to regulate them and change the way they do business so no dog, dog is ever harmed again here. 
And he reluctantly agreed, went with me. Somehow it was a tip-off that we were there. Their lobbyists were there. And so in a very and, – and the USDA was there. And so we sat – because USDA had the conference room in their kitchenette. And I <laughs> told them exactly these bills that I was going to propose. And this is the way it's going to be. And their lobbyists were high-powered lobbyists. And they're like, yeah, okay, Stanley, here Good you go. Good luck. They didn't think any of those things were going to be – exactly. Yeah, have a great time. Right. Pack a lunch. Knock yourself and, out. Uh, yeah, and so and, – and I told them. I said, now, what is the problem? I will give this to their COO. He was very – frank with me. I do believe he cares about these dogs, but he's in the devil's den of this, of this right. corporation. Right. He says, well, look, the pandemic created a problem. We lost employees. We kept uh, breeding, but the, the scientific you know, community stopped doing these experiments on these dogs, so we weren't selling dogs. I said, so you're overpopulated and undermanned in staff. Said, yeah. How many are you on overpopulated by? He said about 500, 600. I said, then you're not going to kill those dogs. You're going to give them to me. You're going to, I'm going to help get those dogs adopted. Do not euthanize the dogs. He readily agreed, readily agreed, which I appreciated greatly. And, of course, I was writing checks with my mouth that I didn't know I could cash later, <laughs> but I was determined that we would be able to get the, you know, the activists and the, yes. and the releasing agencies together on something like that. That's where Sue Bell came in for me. And so what I did, though, at the end of that meeting, because they had these four powerful lobbyists sitting there at the – card table in the kitchenette. I said, now, uh, to the CEO, take us to the puppy pens. And you guys are coming too. And we walked up to the puppy pens. And they were making jokes. Oh, Senator Stanley's going to get another dog. So I said, open the puppy pen. And there's a sea of 30 or 40 little, beautiful, beagle puppies barking and happy. And, and I made the lobbyists walk in. And I said, close the gate. And I said, kneel down. They're like looking at me. I said, kneel down. And they all kneel down into the sea of puppydom. And the oh, puppies man. are jumping around. And I said, this is what you're representing. And remember, wow. one year from now, these dogs probably will not be living. And can you live with that? And their faces were like horrible. Now, I was sitting there as I was doing it. This one dog just was clinging to my, to my thigh as I was kneeling down with them. And so I picked her up and I started petting her. Well, when we got out of the puppy pen, lo, lo and behold, she was in my arms. And, and the How dog, do you like uh, that? Had what a surprise. Yeah, so I ended, up, I ended up buying her. And now that's Dixie. And that's Daisy's sister. <laughs> Daisy's sister, indeed. And so, you know, and then we walked out and I told him, I'm going to get these bills passed and, uh, you know, let's have a fight. And if you want to fight this way, it's going to be. We were then able to negotiate with, uh, with the COO who, was, who made me that promise that we could, we could adopt out and re- release those 600 beagles and create a relationship where we were getting out more dogs, you know, the ones that might have been sick and right. old, uh, et cetera. And the problem was, Tracy, is that a lot of our – and I don't blame them. A lot of our releasing agencies look at them as the enemy, looked at Invigo as the enemy. So it was hard to deal with the enemy. Invigo had some restrictions. We were at an impasse. I negotiated with Invigo. They were willing to pay for spay, neuter, transport, make sure the vets, the meds and vets were all up to date, behavioral, et cetera. But there was an issue as to whether, you know, they didn't want, you know, a negative publicity on this. The person that stepped in was none other than my hero, Sue Bell. I'll be darned. And she said... I'm tired of this. We're, it's about the dogs. I'll do whatever it takes. She went and negotiated directly with Invigo using the template that I had that we couldn't kind of get together with. And within a week, she is there um, rescuing what turned out to be 500, 600 beagles before the beagle bills were ever passed, before the federal government ever intervened. And we were able to get them out. In fact, we fostered my 
my legislative age had Monday, and I fostered beagles and were able to find 10 good homes for those beagles, including Senator Cree Deeds and and members of the legislative staff. And, and, And we had them at our office, and I came out of the Senate session, and there's a line out of my office. They weren't there to see me. They were there to see the dogs. Uh, so, so it was a wonderful, beautiful Oh, my play. God. What uh, a great ending to that story yeah. and sprinkling beagles throughout the state Senate. That This is a wonderful, at least temporary happy ending, but I know you have much more work to do. We've run out of time, but it yes. is such a joy and a pleasure to meet such an important person. And I guess it's best that you stay in the state Senate because you're really powerful and really effective and really (laughs) smart there. And it's better to have one good state than be banging your head against the wall in the the bigger Senate where it's all lobbying and it's all power plays. This is, there's humanity in Virginia, thanks to you and all the great people you've worked with. Senator Bill Stanley, but it's true. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. And this is only one start state, but we've only just begun. We're going to we're going to eliminate this in the United States. We're better than that. Well, that is that that is music to the ears of anybody. Please make sure that you guys look for leaning right and turning left. The senator's very interesting podcast with chronicles, which good to listen to all kinds of political conversations, too. I think that's important for us. We can't just think about dogs and cats all the time. But starting in January. He chronicles this whole journey in a, in a political way that I think is very informative. And you that live in other states, maybe we can all learn some examples and follow his example. Senator Bill Stanley, you're amazing. Love to Daisy and Dixie. I have their pictures to go along with the podcast version of this show. It was really a pleasure and delight to talk to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor. It's all mine. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food, Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.